Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's scripture, which is Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say now, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would not have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the hunters. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who has made heaven and earth. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. If it had not been for the Lord, If it had not been for the Lord, what might have happened? This is an interesting psalm to me because it speaks in hindsight. It's people who have experienced being rescued, being delivered, calling back and saying, surely that was God's work. It was only through God's help that that happened. I was thinking about satisfaction for this Sunday's service, because I was thinking about that feeling, how it might feel to stand in the present moment and to look back and say, you know what? We came through that difficult time because of God's help. We're standing on solid ground today because God is with us. If it weren't for the Lord, we couldn't have done it, and therefore we know that we have God's help. But that feeling, it's kind of a countercultural feeling. When I think about satisfaction, the more and more that I think about it, the more I receive the messages of negativity, difficult connotations around the idea of satisfaction. Satisfaction and dissatisfaction, it can be tied to desire, ambition, a kind of pride that makes us in Christian culture a little uncomfortable. 
It suggests a kind of relationship with God that, um, I don't know, maybe crosses a boundary. What does it mean to be satisfied? Is that something we feel comfortable wanting or asking for? Do we ever feel the need to diminish the good things that have happened in our lives? Right? To scale them down and make them more acceptable, less set apart. Do we ever feel a similar desire to diminish the challenges that we are facing? To normalize them and say, other people have it worse. Both of those things work against being able to stand in the position of saying, you know what, we had it really hard. We went through something really difficult. And the only reason we're standing here today is because of God's help. Yeah, that's an uncomfortable journey to take. It's an uncomfortable thing to speak. It's countercultural for sure. So I guess the first question that comes up in my sermon is, do we need God's help? Do we need God's help? Do we feel that in our spiritual lives? Right? We've been doing some um, talking about the future, as Norm was sharing with you, and one of the ways we've been doing that is by talking about vision. The definition of vision that was shared at the meeting that was dedicated to that subject was vision is the outcome of our mission. What we are picturing will be the result of our faithfulness to God's mission for us. One of the things that we named as a congregation is incredibly important to us achieving our vision is communication. We pictured that we'll know we're there when everyone feels included, when they feel like they have the information they need to participate, when they feel a part of all of the ministry that we do here. But communication is harder than you think. We have mixed motives when we share news and when we listen to it. Our brains have a tendency to filter things, and sometimes they do that to be helpful and to try to point out to us what's the most necessary part of the information for us to retain and to follow, but sometimes it has to do with giving us a sense of belonging, giving us a sense of being right, by filtering out anything that doesn't match what we expect to hear. So if we have a perspective that what's going on for us um, shouldn't need any outside help, then even if we hear the people around us asking for help, we're going to have a hard time retaining that communication. Or if we are convinced that we're in a space we cannot recover from, right? That we're down at the bottom of a hole. And it's only going to be through some major miracle event that we get out of this place and into something new. It's really hard to hear and receive any communication that shows the pathway forward. Right? 
Communication is harder than you think. Also, you know, as the work of Brene Brown has showed up, has showed us, we put up a lot of armor to prevent some messages from reaching us. Oftentimes, it's the kind of messages that would affirm our worth and our importance in the lives of others, that what we do matters and how we treat each other matters. We put up a lot of armors, uh, armor around that because in order to receive that message, we have to be pretty vulnerable and open. And that is hard in the world we're living in. One of the observations she has about communication and relationships and mixed motives has to do with her journey out of addiction which is connected very much to what we heard from Paul. She says, turns out that resentment is a crummy but effective indicator light when I am taking care of others in the wrong way. And by wrong way, I mean trying to control situations by looking generous, but really trying to protect my own self-interest. I love what Anne Lamott says, quote, help is the sunny side of control. Stop helping so much. Don't get your help and goodness all over everybody. <laughs> yeah, sometimes our heart's intention has to fight through a lot of mixed motives before it can reach our neighbors. Communication is hard. And we have reasons to be fearful and mistrustful of our neighbors. According to research that was done some years ago by the Barna Group, most of the people who were leaving church or saying that they didn't have an affiliation with a religious group anymore, people who were doing the work of deconstruction, were saying that the reason that they were doing that was not because of any theological difficulty on their point or political affiliation, but because of the hurtful words and actions they'd experienced from religious people. Whatever's in our hearts, sometimes it fights through a lot of mixed stuff and conflict before it reaches our neighbors. To be vital means being vulnerable. And as Brene Brown has pointed out in her work, we often experience a punishment when we stretch into the space of vulnerability with each other. When we really try to open our hearts and minds to each other and do something brave and bold, we can bet that just afterward, just as we get home and put our slippers on and put our feet up, all the gremlins of self-doubt and mistrust will come for us. And they will remind us of all the bad stories and all the reasons that we had for wearing that armor. And they will punish us from within for ever having let our guard down. This is a world in which we can sometimes get hurt 
purposefully or unintentionally. And that hurt can live in us in ways that are really hard to overcome. Richard Rohr says, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it, usually to those closest to us, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, and invariably the most vulnerable, our children. To be vital means we have to be vulnerable, but being vulnerable is hard. There are so many ways in which we have been disappointed in what others can do, in what we can do, in the relationship we thought we had with God. To go to God with honest prayer is hard. Communication is hard to give and to receive. But God is here. Invite her in and see what happens. As one, a writer who has um, processed a lot of these struggles and dealt with the journey to recovery herself, writes, that school marm part of me, that hypercritical, finger-wagging part of myself that I thought was going to help me get sober, was going to keep me sober, that was actually what helped me stay drunk. What keeps you sober is love and connection to something bigger than yourself. God is here. Invite her in and see what happens. Love and connection to something bigger. Prayer, kind of vulnerability and willingness to enter into communication no matter what could happen. What does it even look like? How do we know how to do it? Well, communion. Actually, the reason that we as Christians practice communion as often as we do, and some folks much oftener, and for as long as we have since the first century, the reason we keep doing it and keep practicing it over and over and over again is because we're trying to figure out what it looks like to show up and to receive something in and to let some part of our relationship with God touch that inner part of us that wants what is good, that is drawn to the good, despite all of our conflict. Jill Crenshaw writes, we feast at the Lord's table on holy food and drink, enough for all. We also feast on relationship of mutual acceptance and radical love. One of the questions that came up in our vision meeting around the parsonage was, is Wesley a stable church? Is it declining? Is it growing? This is a curious question, and it's a vulnerable one. That answer has big consequences for our feelings. We might want to avoid or numb really looking too closely at that because of its power. But I want to affirm this for us. Wesley is growing. Wesley is growing when we find ourselves meeting strangers, even enemies, 
at the table. When we find ourselves in the course of our ministry, encountering others, looking up and seeing people in a way we have not seen them before, looking into the heart of someone beyond all of those layers of communication, which can be so different, when we catch a glimpse that there could be Christ, even in someone with whom we've had tremendous conflict, we are growing. We are growing. That is what growing is. Beyond anything having to do with dollar amounts or attendance, those things are great, but if this other kind of growth isn't happening, what's the point? No, we are growing every time that that happens. We're growing this morning as we come to the table, having had this touchy conversation, right? We're growing when we find ourselves meeting one another at the table. God is here. Let's invite her in and share communion.